This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Art of War podcast. We're joined today by my good friend John Damaris and our newest guest, Alex McDougal. Say hi, guys. Hey, everyone. Hey. Alex, for those of you who don't know, lives in the frozen north, that is Canada. I don't really know why, but they're nice up there, so maybe that's why. Um, and he just brought down a GT with Tyranids and Gene Sealer Cult. And many people, um, a bit myself included, thought that to be nearly impossible these days with the marine meta that we're all experiencing. And now now kind of, I'd say, the marine slash tile meta and tower traditionally a very hard match for Tyranids and Gene Sealer Cult as well. So congrats, Alex. That's really well done. Thank you. Um, but uh, we're here today to talk about his list and how it works and the strategies behind it and all that jazz. So why don't you just kind of get us started by telling us what's in your list? Okay. So the list uh, is basically what I've been running for a very long time now. I was actually thinking about it when you guys posted a couple questions to me of how long has this list existed? And it's evolved slightly, but it's essentially the same for almost like a year and a half now, but it's Swarmlord, Broodlord, uh, between 40 and 36 gene stealers, usually if there's a points cutting, uh, Ripper Swarms, and then the gene stealer portion is a second battalion, uh, Abominant, Primus, 19 hand flamers, again for cost cutting, I would fit in 20 if I could, uh, two units of Brood Brothers, <clears throat> full pack of Aberrants, Biophagus with Familiar, the Nexos, I think that's the second battalion in total. And then the third battalion is the Magus, Patriarch, 30 Brood Brothers, and in this edition of the list, the Keller Morph instead of the Sanctus. Interesting stuff. So I assume the Tyranids are all cracking, and then what, is, what uh, different trait, uh, I forgot the word, Hive Fleets are your Gene uh, Steer Cult stuff? Yeah, it's definitely all Kraken for the Tyranid stuff. And then the GSC is... Uh, Pure Twisted Helix on the Aberrant Squad for the Aberrant uh, Battalion, and then a Mixed Battalion for the uh, third very small detachment, and that is Twisted Helix and Formed Emperor. And Twisted Helix, so I can get even more support to the uh, Hand Flamers and the Aberrants, and then Forearmed Emperor just for plan generations in the making. Yeah, and you also, I assume, make use of that awesome Warlord trait that Formed Emperor has as well, right? Yeah, the re, uh, regaining CP. Yeah, I think splashing a magic mag with foreign emperor is uh, just a really strong thing Gene Circle can do. Yeah, and that is a of all the things that I can do before the game, that is the biggest feel bad. You go through the, all the pregame stuff. I've got 18 command points. I'm I'm down to 16 for anointed throng and the mini warlord trait, and then I'm going to spend another one for uh, uh, cunning or whatever it's called. I'm going to go right back up to 18. Yeah. When you, I've, I've, when I play Gene Circles and I rolled a three on that D three, it feels, oh, it feels so good, good. <laughs> so yeah. good. It's like this is too powerful. <laughs> yeah. So that's really awesome. Um, I have so many magic questions, pretty much all centered around space rings, but we're gonna save that all for part two. So for why sure. don't you kind of just walk us through your list? I know nothing in your list is too abnormal or unorthodox. It's just when you're running Gene Circles and Tyranids, it's always a lot of opportunity cost. Like you've Foregone Mono Gene Stealer Cult for the addition of Tyranids and Kraken and Steelers. You have a Biophagist, which I think is a bit unorthodox these days. Uh, Aberrants, no Rock Saws. What's kind of your thought process behind how the list fits together? Uh, basically the entire thing. I used to think, okay, this is like a really aggressive pressure army. And it can be, given the right situation. 
but it won't be if your opponent is like a solid skilled opponent. You won't actually be able to get that work done. So it's really just a very, very opportunistic board control army. The Gene Stealers are kind of the herding units. I'm going to push, because if you give me any holes, I'm going to just go nuts, and you're going to get 40 Gene Stealers in the face. You have to start to ball up, and that's going to give me the maximum amount of value that I can get out of the Aberrants. Just push everything nice and tight, and then the Aberrants can hit as many things as they can and get as much value as they can. And that's why the Biophagus is still in the list. Because if I'm trying to bite off the biggest chunks I can, I want you know, 80 attacks instead of 60 attacks. Yeah, I think it's a common misconception that a lot of players, especially less experienced ones, make with like Swarm Lord and Gene Stealers. They may have read about it on the internet or asked a friend or whatever and found out that they move, uh, I guess now 34 inches and then charge. And, you know, that's really good. Fight twice over on all kinds of crazy tactics they can pull. I feel like very rarely is that the go-to play, where as opposed to list threatens it, and then your opponent has to hide in the corner, super castled up, so to not mitigate it. So it's like if you do go for your charged across the table kind of move, turn one, um, you, it's not worth it. You end up spending a lot of CP and losing twenty Steelers for ultimately killing like a screen. So I like that you've kind of using that right back at your opponent. You know, you're saying. You have to be super careful about this. Then I'm just going to not do anything with that. I'm going to keep my Steelers back while you're screening. And then my Aberrants are going to show up on turn two, make a perfect ambush charge, and then go in, fight twice, fight when I die, wrap something, do all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's their, their whole oh, army is, I'm just going to say, their whole army is uh, all consolidated because if they break off a piece of it, that's a perfect thing for the Gene Steelers to go hunt down, right? Because you, you can't. When you have like a forty-inch threat, you can go wherever you want. <laughs> so yeah, you know, especially they have... if they push that screen forward at all. If they if they give me any room where I can hit like a forward screen, I don't even have to wrap it. I can just hit it and then use overrun into safety. Right. Can you explain that to me? Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, overrun's one of the more advanced tactics to have, so I don't want to go yeah. into detail there. Yeah, overrun is a really great ability it's one cp and if you kill something in combat and you don't have any other opponent or opposition unit within three inches you get a full movement so a lot of people will do that aggressively full movement with your cracking advance so basically yeah so 14 inches realistically yeah basically so a I'm lot sorry, of people how, will do... how far was that it's it's your full move plus an advance so gene stealers move eight and then Kraken allows you to roll 3d6, pick the highest advance. So presumably oh. you roll at least a four on three dice, maybe five or six, of course. Um, yeah. So basically 12 to 14 inches uh, okay. is your consolidate, essentially, is how you could look at it. Yeah. And basically, it doesn't have to be towards your opponent. Right. So you can charge in, sandpaper off that first level of screens, and then back up 12, 14 inches, whatever, presumably back into some place nice and safe, like... Ideally, a magic box, or at least in a ruin where they have limited line of sight, that kind of thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a it's a very that's one good CP trick. That's one CP. Yeah. One CP. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and that's wow. another thing that can keep your opponent guessing like all the time. So they push the screen out. If you get close enough that you can get or declare something behind the screen, you can do all sorts of things. You can either just kill the screen. You can kill half the screen and wrap the other one. You can kill both and run away. You can kill it and then overrun into your opponent's lines and fight twice and tag the next thing that you had declared against. So it just yeah, keeps your opponent guessing so much. So here's to put it in some more, I guess, layman's terms with an actual example. Imagine there's a guard unit standing 12, or, or two guardians, who cares, standing 12 inches in front of a pile of Lehman Russes, to be very basic about it. Normally, an assault unit would slam into the guardsmen and then be there and then get shot by the Russes, or slam in and wrap. You know, everyone can just wrap these days. But that's, that's the extent of their options. So Steelers, with Overrun, can either slam into the guardsmen and wrap like everybody else, slam into the guardsmen, overrun backwards behind a ruin, avoid the shooting phase of all those Lehman Russes, or slam into the guardsmen, kill them all, overrun forwards 12 inches, we'll call it, right in front of those Lehman Russes 1.1 inches away because it doesn't let you engage new units. That's one of the caveats of the strat. 
And then at the end of the fight phase, you can just spend three CP and trigger the fight against stratagem and now engage all those Luminoses so they can't shoot anything. Yep. So it's a very flexible tool. I just wanted to make sure everyone was clear on the uses of that. Well, and like it's really hard to stop because you can't you can't push that screen out far enough. Because I mean, you're talking about fifteen to eighteen inches where you can engage something after after they've done their you know pile in, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's actually. I mean, maybe a little maximum further. threat would be twenty. Yeah, I'm just saying on average you're going to be like. 16 17 inches something like that i would say yeah or maybe maybe even a little higher but i mean that's that's insanity that is forever so the way you stop it and to give away all of alex's tricks here um, <laughs> is by using physical space like bodies those genius don't have fly because you know that'd be silly so yeah that would be shining spears yeah right <laughs> so if they hit that first squad of guardsmen those first 20 guys what if five inches behind them was another rank of 20 guardsmen. Now, yeah, the Steelers could slam 20 guardsmen, overrun forward, kill the next 20 guardsmen, and they've killed 40 guardsmen. That is not an insignificant amount of damage dealt. But at least they're not then touching all your Lehman Russes too. So there, there's ways around it, but it usually involves sacrificing a lot of stuff. Yeah, or you, with certain things, you can put stuff that's really durable. There are certain things that Gene Steelers are not good at killing. T8, for instance. Um so you might be able to block with a, a vehicle. Yeah. Vehicles, uh, especially the more durable ones that we're seeing these days, like serpents and uh, mm-hmm. uh, durable units like Bogren, Light Lords, those are great things the Steelers do not want to tangle with. Yeah. But that's why you have Aberrants. So when you, you betcha. set up that defensive castle, let's say there's 20 guardsmen like we talked about, four or five inches behind that is the line of Bogren, behind that is the tanks. Steelers... Don't really want to wrap the guardsmen because then they're going to get count charged by the Bulgren anyway. They obviously don't want to tangle with the Bulgren because that'll just get them killed. And yeah, they could overrun back into that ruin, but guard often also have artillery, so that kind of sucks with the Steelers as well. But now we have Aberrant, which is that kind of missing element X from Alex's list to come in, slam in, and kill all those Bulgren and get the game going again. Yeah. Yeah, the Bulgren are the big hammer. Yeah, actually, it's. I'm just thinking about your list. It's really interesting to me <clears throat> how flexible it is, and it's all movement, which is great. Um, so you just go into the game a lot of times dictating to your opponent, like, okay, screen properly, or else I'm going to you know, do X, Y, or Z to you, which might mean killing something and wrapping something or touching all your tanks so none of them can shoot next turn or um, just whatever. Like You're really putting the onus on your opponent to play well. Otherwise, you have really good ways to take advantage of their misplays. Yeah, it's a lot of forcing poor decision making. Or, I don't know if you play a whole lot of chess, a lot of times with like a knight or a bishop, you might be able to place it in a position where you go, okay, you're losing something. I'm going to let you pick which one you lose. But I've got you in a, in a spot where something has to die. What do you think is more valuable? Yeah. And if you can really make the situation good, you can force them to make a situation where they will save their better thing but it'll leave your gene stealers safer. It's like, okay, you lose, whatever, let's say a marine squad or an important commander. I want the commander, but the commander's deep and the marines are further out. That's a fine trade. Okay, you keep the commander safe. I'll go take out the marines that are further away from the bulk of your army, and then I'll run to safety. That's an excellent way to force your opponent to do technically the right situ- like the right decision-making by saving their commander, but still benefiting you the Terran player i mean right so it's a lot of it's a lot of creating forced moves for your opponent or forced situations stuck between a rock and a hard place those kind of things um with that said it does struggle with aspects of the game which are are quite common namely the fly keyword yes Uh, so obviously we just ran through the example of guardsmen and all the different ways we can wrap guardsmen we can touch the tanks we can do all kinds of stuff how do you deal with armies that are predominantly fly, like Eldar, Tau, Dark Eldar, things like that? What's your strategy there? Uh, that is a game that forces me to be a lot more patient. I have to, if there's flyers, I've got to wait until they've left the deployment zone. Luckily, the Eldar flyers that are being run right now aren't particularly good at killing hordes. Uh, I'll use, if it's turn one and my opponent goes first, I'll typically use the Gene Stealer Cult Blips to not allow the flyers to get where they need to go. 
by that, I mean not let them shoot the Swarmlord. That's the only one I really care about that they can target. So in any of the deeper deployments, you can deploy Swarmlord super far back, or ideally out of line of sight, but mm -hmm. super far back and out of line of sight, potentially. And the Flyers, being what they normally are, can move really fast and just get in range anyway. But you have to stay nine inches away from your blips, because mm -hmm. that's how those rules work. So you can line the board at your deployment zone edge with blips, basically keeping the flyers on his half of the board, then Swarmlord will just be out of range because Eldar flyers mostly have 36 inches. Yeah. That's really or just Or just angles. It's not always range because they can move so fast. But a lot of times, if I can just tuck kind of behind a wall, I can block that entire wall off from movement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if I'm envisioning that right, let's just say like you have like a corner ruin or you know, like a yeah. L. So yeah. then you can just put the blips down so they can't get to the other side of that L to get line of sight on. Yeah, they just physically can't get into the space and yeah. take a shot. The if you really have to, there's a single CP stratagem for Gene Stealer Cult, which is putting down four fake blips. And four of those things, if you really want, can take up a huge amount of space. Like it's and a it's, it's a nine inch radius, so it's an eighteen inch diameter. <laughs> Like four of those can be an entire deployment zone. Well, and those and blips all... are close to an inch, right? So yeah, like a, that that's nineteen inch circles that you just yep. put down. Yeah. And the Nexus lets you move a blip as well. So a lot of people just think he's some stupid character that regens CP like a company commander. But while he is that, he also um, lets you move a blip for free when he comes shows up. So you can be, kind of be a jerk with one of your blips, and then keep people away from you with that one or bait people out even more and yep. then move it around and do it's thing. a lot of deceit yeah um so what about just armies that are tough to wrap because i know wrapping and, and combat shenanigans is, is great and it's a very if you know what you're doing in the assault phase amazing tool to use but it's not reliable based on matchups like some armies even just basic flying screens like swooping hawks or something like that could just ruin your day with that how do you get how do you uh, deal with that that's typically where i'll play the gene stealers a little more aggressively i will go for big kills rather than playing particularly patiently or going for wraps or trying to go backwards i'll i'll just kind of get in clear the screens that i need to clear out and then back out or i will just try and jam as deep as i can and maybe i get to a commander that doesn't have fly um, a lot of those all-fly keyword armies don't have good combat or don't have combat, good combat that is horde-killing. So sometimes you can just go Hail Mary and wrap something super deep and you don't really get punished for it. That might change a little bit more with Marines now, but I haven't faced a ton of Marines. Consider yourself lucky. Mm -hmm. well, I haven't either. The nice thing about Marines is they're not spamming fly. So you can wrap their scouts or their intercessors or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the not nice thing about Marines is that you could wrap their intercessors and they may just still kill you. Yeah. They yes. just may punch you to death. Actually, their scouts may kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the scouts has got like 17 attacks or something stupid. It's definitely a huge balance of killing the maximum amount while trying to still get a wrap that won't die to the leadership test. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Against the armies like Guard or... I mean, I keep using Guard as an example because it's just so easy to use here. Um, where they don't have fly and you can bully them with board control, you just do that and you play the patient game. But against the armies with fly screens, you try to just muscle your way through them quickly with the gene stealers and then kind of end the game with your aberrants when they show up. Yeah, yeah, the aberrants are the big, the big swing and try and go... Typically, typically the, a lot of those fly armies, especially if we're talking about Eldar, or even Marines, they you just kill everything with the Aberrants. So a lot of times what will happen is I will run out of steam, but it's too late. It's Gene Stealer Squad 1, it's Gene Stealer Squad 2 and Hand Flamers, or 2 and Aberrants, or some combination of that. And then the third turn is whatever else hasn't come in, the Hand Flamers or the Aberrants or whatever. And yeah. usually that doesn't take three turns to deal with. That usually takes four even five to deal with and by then i've got hold more in bonus for four turns and it's too late so i don't actually have to like crush my opponent i just have to go just keep them bottled up for the entire game 
And yeah, then there were quite a few games when I played playing Jinx or Colt Nids where I would lose 90% of my army by the end of the game. Or even, oh, yeah, there were totally. Games where it's like nearly tabled, and it just didn't matter. I was so far ahead on points that just, yeah. who cares? You'll never catch me. You'll never catch that Nexus that's wrapped by 10 guard uh, Brood Brothers. You just you just can't kill them all in one turn. If I if I understand correctly, then you're using the threat of force and you know also probably stacking that with the ability the the deep strike abilities with the gene stealer cult to force your opponent to ball up, which just gives you complete board control to score all the bonus points and hold more and blah blah blah. I have uh, taken recon in every game for like over a year, and I don't think I've ever not scored four points. I've never been denied that. So that's that is how the army plays. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, wish I could do the stuff like that, but I've, you know. Um, well, when you played GSC, you didn't play the first two turns of the game. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, well, I was thinking about GSC, but like we we have two very different armies. Yeah. So speaking of that, I mean. I know you're going for best forces of the hind line, if that's correct, in ITC. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of influences your decision to put NIDS in there. But do you think your version of GSC and NIDS is better than like a mono GSC or a mono NIDS? Or Ooh, it's definitely better than mono NIDS, which probably means that I should also say that it's better than pure, or sorry, not as good as pure GSC. I think pure GSC just has more raw power and has a little bit more shenanigans. It definitely has more denial and more raw power, but it has mm -hmm. way less speed. It's pretty much completely reliant on deep striking yeah. charging and a little bit of advanced and charging with psychic stimulus. Yeah, I um, think up until the last few marine supplements, I would definitively say that GSC was just better. And now I think it's almost on par because the marines have so much anti-deep strike ability between infiltrators and repulsors and flying and Auspects. There's so many things that deal with deep striking units that now I think the gene stealers might have a leg up, but I'm not really sure yet. That's an interesting thing, point. But yeah, there's so much anti deep strike in the game now. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, you can only you can only stop you're... one of those strats. <laughs> now you're seeing it, yeah. <laughs> so actually, let's let's talk about Vect. Um, what are things you you often tend to vet? Because I, with pure gene circle, tried not to vet as much as humanly possible. I had 18 CP like you, but it was so easy to blow through them if you're not, di uh, I guess, disciplined in how you spend them. Oh yeah, yeah, that's an easy like you can do 14 a turn, no problem. Yeah, especially since I have two fight twice stratagems. Yeah, oh man, that that goes you real quick. Three on Aberrants and three on Steelers in the same turn. Oh yeah, easily. Um, and that's not even counting ambushing to get there or anything. Yeah, or reroll all wounds on the swarm lord or something like that. Yeah. So how do you how do you just generally budget your CP? What do you do to to keep yourself from running out on turn two? I. Okay, so luckily turn one is usually super light. It's one CP to put three units back into deep strike, and maybe an uh, opportunistic advance to get where I need to go. So that's two. It's not a big deal. Uh, three is where things really start going. Usually another opportunistic advance and maybe a perfect ambush or a lying in wait. I have them all budgeted out for sure. I'm not going to be able to remember offhand right now, but... Sure, but just generally speaking, I mean, like, do you do you usually go for a turn one deep strike, I suppose? Or not turn one deep strike, turn one uh, assault with aberrant or stealers? Uh, that's fairly common. Yeah. But it's usually to a flank i'm not trying to take any real uh game ending damage or you know deal any game ending damage i'm just maybe i left that unit out to dry i'm going to get that one and then deacon to cover or something yeah but vect is usually you... yeah is vect something you think you use every game it's oh not every game probably i'll say two-thirds and it's usually because i've been put into a spot where okay i have to do this it's stopping Auspex again. I have this turn three. The Aberrants have got to come in and do damage. There's no way I'm surviving, you know, whatever is going to shoot at them when they land. I'm turning that off. That makes sense. Um, so if your army is so deep on the Aberrants to deal that final blow, um, 
Because your Steelers almost in a way are a mechanism for board control, but also just an aberrant delivery method in a way. Clear the path so the aberrants get the work done. Um, why no Klamathus? Uh The Klamathus is replaced by the Abominant and Warlord trait. So I pay 115 points for the Abominant, I think it is. Changed. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, but 115 points. The Klamathus is 55 so for 60 more points and a CP spent, I get the exact same ability as the Klamavis, but I actually also get a real heavy hitter. And also the fact that he hands out exploding sixes on the Aberrants. And he does take up an, an HQ choice that I have to take anyway. So it's not really a whole lot of points in either direction. Right. It's like if you if you bought a Klamavis who's an elite plus an HQ, even a cheap one like an Icon Ward, that's like 110, give or take. In a, exactly. Like, you're already there. So you're not really saving any points. You're just buying a two for one instead of a one and one. Yeah. And I found, and I mean, obviously the times that it doesn't work by one inch, I'm kicking myself. But most of the time, it's a 3d6 charge with two rerolls and a plus one to that. If you just didn't make it, you just didn't make it. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong uh, for sure. I've actually not run a Klamavis in my Gene Cult for so long. If When I do consider the Klamavis, it's pretty much um, because I want the anti-Deep Strike ore that he offers. Uh -huh. And that obviously isn't as big of an impact in the meta as it has been in the past. Um, when Gene Sealer Cult mirrors were actually a thing, yeah. The thing was yeah, without the Gene Steeler Cult Mirror, I don't really know who's deep striking me back and trying to get me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh it was it was also useful against orcs, I'll say that. Mm, um, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, the clan of this I think is a bit overkill. I mean, like, yes, you can't really play Gene Steeler Cult and fail your charges, but at some point you need to have real things in your army that do stuff, not just insurance policies. Yeah, and it's one of those ones where I've actually been rolling so poorly on the Nexus, I've even been debating getting rid of him. Oh, really? No, I love my little Nexus. Because it's I not know. just that he's the little the guy that stands there and gets your CP back, and CP's how your army functions. For an army that runs forward like a maniac at some point, around turn three probably, or if not sooner, um, your backfield leaves a lot to be desired. And ten Brood Brothers do not necessarily hold an objective because someone could just shoot you right off. So having that nexus there saying you can't shoot me off this, is, I found was really important. Yeah, the nexus is definitely the one guy that sits on the objective all game. Never gets removed. I don't think I lost him at all over... Especially in the world of indirect fire that we're now living in. You can't rely on Tender Brothers to sit there, even with the ruined walls and stuff. No, Thunderfire Cannons and Scorpius Missile Launchers and all that jazz. Yeah, they'll pick him up pretty quick. Especially that Scorpius. Oh, man, I played against one, but we'll get to that. Oh, you say that literally as I'm building a Scorpius. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so Wait, why are you building a Scorpius? That doesn't go on a Marine list, Nick. But it is. It is. I have one in my Marine list for Pro Tabletop. All right. Sorry to, um, so, sorry to digress. <laughs> I don't feel like getting into all that right now. We're kind no. of on Alex's show. Um... But um, do you have Roxas in your list? I forget. No, I do not. So uh, what's the thought process there? I know people often take Roxas, myself included, to handle large vehicles, knights, um, heavier hitting stuff, centurions to a lesser degree nowadays, knights, um, anything like that. Yeah, the, the Roxas haven't made the list for a couple different reasons. I like the versatility of the Aberrants. They'll kill hordes, they'll kill heavies. There's not many things that they're actually bad against. Um, I understand that there is a little bit more 2-plus armor coming back into the game, and the Rockstars are good against that. But the honestly, the Aberrants just hit so hard that there's not really much that's going to survive. And a lot of the best stuff, the stuff that does have a good save that you would want the high AP for, has an invuln anyway. And now the high AP is a waste. Uh, there's two other reasons. One is that the Aberrants actually have a little bit of durability. Uh, the fact that they have potentially Toughness 5 if you need it, and feel no pain, and multiple wounds, and damage reduction. And also the fact that they can just get deeper with that second fight. Like the, the Rock Saws are hitting what they hit, and 
that's basically it. The Aberrants can go so deep with that second swing, or it can just be a second swing to wrap something. You you didn't declare against something that's a little deeper, and you grab that, and they the Rock Saws just can't do that. Yeah, the Rock Saws function much more as a missile. I wasn't really inclined to replace the Aberrants with Rock Saws. I, I mean, Aberrants are amazing for a billion reasons. I've ran two squads for pretty much since day one in my Gene Cult Adventures. That's true. Um, I was more saying, like, maybe instead of your Flamer Bomb, or in just give your Flamer Bomb some Rock Saws also for even more versatility matchup depending. Hmm. I have been seeing if I can find a way to fit two Rock Saws or even some demo charges into that list. And I haven't been able to find it quite yet, but the the hand flamers obviously serve a way different purpose than the right. than the rock right. saws. So yeah, it's so not so much like replace the flamers with rock saws, more just supplement with rock saws also. So yeah, yeah, because that's that is another part of it that I thought about the the fact that I would put twenty points of rock saw in there, and then a lot of times I will lying in wait, and that squad just gets obliterated because it's nineteen guardsmen and is high priority. Yeah, so I'll toss an extra 20 points in there. In yeah. Although every once in a while, the Rock Saws that will actually get perfect ambushed, or sorry, not the Rock Saws, the Hand Flamer Acolytes that will get perfect ambushed to go for the charge, because they're not any slouches either. Oh yeah, they're still Acolytes. I mean, yeah. And they're Strength they're 5. Super hard. Yeah, like, I've definitely perfect ambushed Flamers many, many times. And, mm -hmm. you know, if I roll a 4 up, I still get to Flame you. Um, but yep, that I'm is true. And that is just icing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I was just considering that. Um, I found rock saws not always useful, for sure. Definitely not necessary. But having some as a toolbox type of thing, is I, I, I like that a lot. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's... And maybe I, this is my ignorance because I don't play Gene Steeler Cult or Tyranids, but it doesn't seem like a huge opportunity cost um, just because you're talking about 20, 30 maybe 40 points, um, which is significant, but in a 2000 point list, usually there's some. It's, it goes path. both ways. Yeah. So when you're building genes, dealer cult lists or tier lists, it's um, yes, you're all your upgrades. And when you're, when you're fiddling with points, it's like you're, you're 20 points here, 20 points there. It's so easy to just find those points at the same time, because everything is so cheap as an army it's not like you cut a guy and get two rock saws. It's like you cut four or five guys, which now changes the functionality of a unit. Or you cut a character, which breaks an entire portion of your list. So it's it's not like you cut a little bit, gain a little bit. It's like you cut functionality because you just change the size of a unit from like this size where it accomplishes these things to a different size where it doesn't accomplish those things. Right. And like how, how many points is a, is a hand flamer acolyte? Eight. Eight points. Yeah, so like if you wanted four rock saws, you'd have to lose five acolytes. Okay, I could I could buy that 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 significantly changes because yeah. that's five less hand flamers reduces their footprint when you're trying to like zone stuff out or whatever. Um, yeah, it's I could uh, buy that. the the list itself at this point is ultra refined. I am not finding any way to change anything significant around the characters can't move, otherwise it breaks the uh, battalions uh, being pure or not. And the actual guys inside can't change much either. Uh, I would so, have a lot more options if I had a third Gene Steeler Cult Battalion, but then obviously I'm not playing forces anymore. So one thing that does lead me to the question then, obviously you've done a lot of iteration with the list. Do you want to talk about some of the things that maybe you've tried that are, are now not in the list or maybe some refinements? Um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this has been evolving for a long time. Uh, we kind of get to version 500 over here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's I, The list, as far as I can tell, the first one that makes any sense would probably be Storm of Silence last year, which is like 18 months ago now. And it had Swarmlord, it had two packs of Gene Stealers, it had a Rock Saw squad back when they were not very good. They were way more points than they are now. Um, it had Hive Guard still. And then as the game, or as that tournament wore on, I realized, man, this, these Hive Guard are really not doing what I want them to. And I don't feel like I really need them. And I dropped them and just put in more bodies. And I think I I went to the, or what are they called now? Pure Stranging Steelers. Because I found that they were actually doing better than the Rock Saws. Because the Rock Saws at that time were way more expensive. And I took that to Attack X and I won that. 
And why, I, let me, let me, I'm just curious right now. Why pure strains over just more regular dudes? Uh, because I was getting into a, a point where the, uh, the, the amount of time I had to wait was me just losing too many gene stealers. That was 60 gene stealers at that point. And now I've got three squads to hide. And I'm just starting to not be able to find places and I'm just losing into shooting. And also remember, that was at that time, that was the last tournament, big tournament, I think, that was when you could still deep strike turn one. So you could actually get a pretty huge alpha out of that. Like 40 gene stealers yeah, hit turn you could one. Slam 40, or yeah. You get at least 20 and then 20 deep striking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that even though they were more expensive and functionally worse because of the cracking benefits, they were still deep strike was worth that much to you basically. Yeah, and they could. I mean, they're still better than regular gene stealers when you've got uh, might from beyond on them. It's, it's yeah, that's true. It's just it's, a different set of buffs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then the uh, it evolved again at LVO where I went to two battalions and the mortars. And the mortars did well for me, but it wasn't really what I wanted to play. And at one, then we finally got a codex, and that's when I realized just how many command points we needed. So the mortars went away, and a third battalion came in. And it hasn't changed a whole lot since then. It's pretty much been this. I have experimented with one pack of gene stealers, and that is not a good call. <laughs> that's not a good plan. Uh, it was one gene stealer pack went down, and a second aberrant unit went in, and there was no way I could feed all that. For CP, it's just not happening. I've I've tried double Aber and double Gene Stealer, and it feels like you're just so all in. It's gonna work or it doesn't. Oh yeah, yeah. Either your opponent can't kill it all, or you just get completely blown out, or you just run out of command points, and you were never able to swing twice with anything. And one of the aberrant squads just showed up nine inches away and sat in a building. For sure, yeah. So, um, have you ever considered things like? A more hoardy approach to nids. I know a lot of people, maybe not so much in the marine meta, but just in the past, like Nick Rose has had success with like 150 hormigons and zonthropes. I think other people have as well with similar builds. Have you ever considered anything like that? Uh, I've definitely heard of it, and I know I know that that list is good. Like even getting into like more extremes, like 200, 250 gaunts and zonthropes, but that to me is not fun anymore. I still want to enjoy yeah. my games, and that just feels like pulling teeth. Why would you want to enjoy your games? That's I know, insane. right? I'm sure I could do reasonably well with it. But yeah, I'm not even sure that list functions that well into Marines now. No, I think it's been outdated, and that's why you're not really seeing it as much anymore. Just Centurions will annihilate the entire thing. I, oh, yeah. I do or, have... or Aggressors. A six-pack aggressor, Raven Guard Aggressors will pick up like 140 Gaunts on turn one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do have a question. And uh, with the Marines coming back into the meta... Being all over the place is Hiveguard maybe a consideration? Um, for the I have, meta? yes, I have started to think about it. I don't know where it goes and I don't know what I drop, but they are definitely marine crushers. That d3 damage and ignore cover and minus two is pretty huge. I guess it depends I on it's not that hard to to do like one squad of aberrants, two squads of stealers, swarm lord, Hiveguard. That's definitely not all your points. Maybe you have to lose three battalions, is the issue. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, not, I also just don't know how survivable they are. That's what I was going to ask. How how good are the hive guard into all the indirect fire that Marines are packing? You know, like so thunder fires aren't realistically good and going to shoot them. I would say um, same with regular war ones. They would much rather be shooting gene stealers because their hive guard toughness five, three wounds each. Um, so it's like it's not that the thunder fires can't hurt them. It's that the value of a thunder fire shooting killing half of a hive guard or one hive guard versus killing five or six stealers and tremor shilling them. Mm -hmm. You just go in and shoot the stealers. So the hive guard will live through that very well. It's if they have anything more like a Scorpius, that's when the hive guard are screwed. Yeah. The other issue with them is that my gene stealers make my hive guard bad. My gene stealers are already pushing my opponent way to the back of their lines. And now the hive guard, hive guard aren't in range. And hive I'm guard are 36 inches? 36 right? inches. Yeah. And I'm never spending an overrun or move twice on them if I have gene stealers on the board. I've actually spent... Uh, when I when I played Nids before, like Mono Nids, mm -hmm. I definitely had the same issue. Like my gene stealer, people would deploy in the corner and my half guard wouldn't be in range. But oftentimes there's like a middle L-shaped ruin or something like that or a magic box to run to. So I had no issues personally just... Uh, I mean, yes. The if the line... 
if the terrain lines up like perfectly, then yeah, for sure. But I, on a lot of tables, that's not happening. That's because Canada. <laughs> um, no, that makes sense. Do you have you considered things like other heavy hitters, like old one eye or anything like that? Uh, old one eye is definitely a possibility. Uh, it's not quite as quick as a broodlord. No, Swarmlord and Kraken, he's everything is fairly quick. No, absolutely. I just the broodlord is an interesting one because he does buff the gene stealers, and he also has a bit of a smaller footprint. And I don't feel so bad about just launching 115 points into die, but 200 points to go and die is sometimes a pretty feel bad moment. Like yeah. he will do more for sure, but a lot of times he won't get to the target you really wanted, and he's so scary that most people won't toss something in on him if they know you can swing on death. Whereas mm -hmm. they might just go in on it with a broodlord, and then the broodlord will kill them anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The broodlord's much more of like a little scalpel type of thing, mm -hmm. where he just goes and solves a little problem, and if he dies, he dies. One fifteen. Old one eye is just like a bomb you set off. Yeah. And I don't really have a use for a third HQ choice right now. Um, I know my buddy Brad, who runs Tyranids pretty successfully, he basically runs a similar setup with, uh, I guess points must be, must be differently configured, but I think he runs less HQs than you, or less, less like random characters than you. Less characters, characters, yeah. yeah. Um, but instead of the Rippers, he has a 30-man unit of just Termagants, which he swears by for board control and stuff. Uh, and I definitely have played against it, and it is annoying. So have you ever considered something like that, just bodies for the sake of bodies? Not like Horde, but like more always, bodies who can't get killed. I like the idea of the Termagants, but I just feel like the Brood Brothers do it better. They it's, have... it's an addition to you, because he still has Triple Battalion. It's just... Oh, okay, it's interesting. Like, I don't know where I would cut to toss Termagants in. I guess it's basically, he, he took your list, cut the Biofrogs, cut the Nexus, put in Upgrade Ripper for 30 Gaunts. Oh, I can't. I can't agree with getting rid of both those characters for Gaunt. <laughs> yeah, no. So why why are you so married to those characters? Again, I've got so much damage output from the Aberrants, and that Biofig yeah. just puts him over the top. And the Biofig is familiar. nice. Yeah, he has the familiar. Biofig is nice to just give them something and then run off to an objective. He is typically my third character for uh, Crucible of Champions to oh, get a bonus, which yeah. is. Naxos is one. Um, a lot of times a Broodlord will get be the other one, and then the Biofagos will be the third, and everyone else. All the other characters kind of want to be in there doing damage. And he'll just run off, or he's a lot of times he's my other recon point, or my other quarter. Right. Uh, he is useful. I, would, I wouldn't mind fitting another 10 bodies in, but if it was the case, it would be another 10 Brood Brothers. Because the Deep Strike is just huge. The amount of times right. that you'll get somebody to overcommit because that Brood Brothers squad is hold more of the bonus and recon and there's like oh my gosh i have to get rid of that squad and they throw like a flyer over there and indirect fire into it and then you just replace it next turn with another team strike brood brother squad oh, is yeah. uh it feels amazing so um i guess you brought up crucibles champions and clearly you're you've played so much 40k with this list specifically you think about that stuff um is it do you pretty much explicitly play itc is this a list you would consider in other formats I think this list still exists in other formats, but it depends on terrain. It's very terrain dependent. I think if you're playing a format where they go, okay, no, the bottom floor is, you can just shoot right through it, and their buildings have a bunch of, you know, Swiss cheese holes through them, this list kind of falls apart. Hmm. Yeah, so you're, you're kind of, you're banking on having at least, like, a certain amount of light and side blocking, which ITC all but promises you. Yeah, ITC gives me that. Even, um, well, I'm going to get it wrong, but you've been to all of them, so you'll be able to correct me. I think it's Nova has the L's. Yeah, Nova has the L's. But they don't have the ITC bottom line of sight blockers, right? Right, right. Okay. With those huge L's, though, I think the army is okay. But if so you the did... thing with Nova is that you, you can always run to the middle and get nice line of sight blocking, mm -hmm. but it is certainly not guaranteed you have line of sight blocking in your opponent's zone. Yeah, exactly. So... You can usually use the L's, I think, to, you know, you're talking kind of like V's. Like if you've ever done, right. like, goaltending for soccer or, or hockey, there's, like, your big wide angles, and it those angles shrink as you step out of the net. Depending on where you are to those L's can really change the angles of where you can be shot. 
and I start with so little on the table, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. But yeah, if if you're just playing like a pickup game at somebody's garage, and they've got like GW terrain, you're you're pooped. <laughs> gotcha. Makes total sense. So, um, I know you've been working on this army for a while, and it's clearly you're seeing the fruit of your labors. How's it feel? Oh man, it feels great to know that I can still kind of get the job done. I definitely, again, I haven't played a ton of Marines, but I haven't got to a point where I don't think I can handle some of the most popular lists. So yeah, it feels nice to just be able to continue playing what I enjoy and not be punished for it. I'll see what yeah, happens come Psychic Awakening. I haven't played like the Iron Hand Six Flyer list. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm, when I'm, we get to matchups in part two, I'm I'm 100 going to ask you your plan on that one. Mm-hmm. It might just be cry. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's what my plan is. If I was playing, that's what the rest of the meta's re- response is yeah. too. So cool. Well, I don't know. If there's anything much else to cover, unless John, you have any other questions, or Alex, you want to ask anything or say anything? I don't know if I I forgot to ask this, or I wasn't paying attention, or zoned out, or something. But did we talk about? Um, other formats besides just we literally I, just <laughs> yeah like, like I, literally five minutes ago okay oh uh, i will talk shame. about one other thing yeah please please and do save the, save me that is the keller morph choice over the sanctus oh yeah let's talk about that yeah that is the only thing i changed from attack x and the sanctus was a specific pick because i knew jim vessel was going to be there and i assumed he was running a list that was close, or a list that still was Chaos Psyker heavy. Uh, there was also another Canadian player there, Devin Crucio, who also plays a very TG Lanigan-esque list, but still like are one of three Demon Princes, and the, the Sanctus was specifically there for those two players. And this one, uh, those guys were not there, and I also knew that there was going to be a pretty good amount of Marines showing up, and the Keller Morph just makes sense. Like, if the Keller Morph even goes a little hot, he'll just pick up five like intercessors. Right. So um, what what were you trying to snipe out with your Calamorph? That's a, that's a question I always try to ask people. Like, how do you use your Calamorph? Was it, you spend five CP and go on a Calamorph adventure, uh, double firing with lying in wait, or do you just kind of use them to mull around the midboard, or what do you need to go for him? Uh, the goal most of the time, especially for my list, was Thunderfire Cannons. Yeah. Because he will definitely, especially with the Relic Pistol, he'll chew through a Tech Priest no problem. And the Thunderfire mm-hmm. Cannon is a huge issue for the list with the slowing two units of Gene Stealers. Yeah. And then if not, he would probably just get his value back literally just by mulching anything Primaris. What's the AP yeah. on that gun? Uh, the Relic Pistol is minus two. The regular AP for the rest of the pistols is minus one. But they're all okay. flat two damage. Oh, yeah. See... Which is you have a good... perfection. Yeah. Yeah, flat two damage is perfect for that kind of stuff. I also had a read on the terrain that we had for this ter- this event, which is really good. Uh, lots of cool big buildings and ruins. And putting the Kellermorph just on like a second or third floor is enough to get a bead on a lot of stuff that I want. Yeah, I think one of the most undervalued things is putting the Kellermorph on the second or third floor of a ruin and shooting down into a character. Yeah. Yeah, really hard to stop. And... If they actually have to send something up after the Keller Morph, that sucks. Like, that's two full turns to go and get him, because you're going up, and then you're walking down. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I guess while we're on the subject, how what was your use for your Flamer Bomb? Like, how would you normally use that thing? Or would, would you use it in every game the same, or was there... Oh, no, it was actually quite different. I used it against another Marine player as uh, Assault. I... Perfect ambushed it. I used it in one game as a horde clear. Uh, I I played my round two was against five knights, and I literally used it as a wall. I ringed an yeah. entire knight and yeah. did no damage to it, or like two or three wounds with flamers, and just said, okay, well you can't go anywhere for another two turns. Uh, yeah, yeah, so they're they're pretty versatile. Um, there was definitely a couple horde armies that I knew were going to show up, and they were there for that as well. But I just find them, they're just versatile. There's all sorts of things they can deal with. Everyone yeah, forgets that's that. That's actually what I love about them, is they're one of the most versatile units in the game. Yeah. Um, you and, you and check Might from Beyond on them, and suddenly people are like, oh man, this is, this is clearing out a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very underrated. 
Um, well, I guess it's highly rated, but very, very hard to use and multi-useful. So that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really excited to go into episode two on our Patreon and talk about uh, all your matchups, how your tournament went, and how you handle the marine and town meta that we're in now. Um, so if is there any place people can find you in your journeys in 40k? Uh, I will attend as many things as I can, but I don't have any presence online, really. I've got a few uh, podcasts now, and of course, I will be with you at Charity Hammer. Awesome. So definitely check that out, guys. Follow Charity Hammer, um, because that's going to be an awesome time. I think last year we raised like $5,000 for charity for kids. Yeah. So do that, support children, and uh, do things. Um. I think that's just about it. So anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, pleasure having you. Subscribe to Patreon to get access to part two. And thanks for Frontline Gaming Network for letting us be a part of them. Check out the other podcasts we have here, like 40K Stat Center and Chapter Tactics. And we'll see you guys later. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.